Hi there, you're listening to Wolfstag with me, Michael Jones. Hey everybody, how you doing? Do you like the little intro there? I think I'm trying to audition for one of those meditation apps. You know, like you see when you go on your app store, they've got like famous people doing stuff like Matthew McConaughey. Y'all you people want to just settle back down there? I'm going to get you off to sleep. That was a little bit more Woody from Toy Story, really, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> what, you know, I didn't say it was brilliant at these things. You know, I'll just, I'll just give it a little go, don't I? Um... How you all doing? It's good to see you. Come on, sit down. Grab your brew, as always. What have we got for you this week? Well, obviously, for those of you that listened last week, we've got um, we've got part two of the interview I did with uh, with, with David, with cousin David, with 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 Mister Guitari intro, and you'll have just had your ears blasted by him, um, which is always I love that bit. It's great. I'm on long evening. Um, so we got part two of the interview with that, and I'll talk about um, I'll talk about the, the part two a little bit later on, just to uh, introduce it properly. Um, we got the Wolfstag week as always. Uh, I'll let you know what's been going on in my life for the past week, uh, and it's been a nice one. It's been lovely, um, and I also I seem to recall last week I said that I was going to do something about uh, work life balance, and I'll be completely honest, completely forgot all about it. So I'm going to give a little bit of um, some of my thoughts around what it's like to work from home now. It kind of harks back to what we did with uh, Tales from a Home Worker. But it's a little bit up in the air. Where, you know, when we thought we were all um, going back to work and going back to the office, it's all gone a little bit pear-shaped again. Um, and you're gonna, you know, there's going to be mixed feelings about that. Of course there is. Um, but I just want to address some of those things that can hopefully make your life a little bit easier while we're adjusting to this. I don't want to say a new way of working. It's because it, it's become a bit of a, a slang term that hasn't it. New ways of working. Um, it's it's not. It's kind of it's a different way of working, and it might be a new way, but we don't know. No one's got a crystal ball on this stuff, have they? So it might be the new way. It might be the way forward. It, it's but at the moment it is what it is, isn't it? Um, so I just want to talk around that. So without further ado. Let's have a look at Wolfstag Week. Welcome to the Wolfstag Week. I need a proper intro for this, don't I? I need, I need, I need some sort of jingle. If anybody wants to come up with a jingle and send it to me, you are more than welcome. I will, I will pop it in there uh, at some point next week or or whenever, whenever you get it sorted. Hey, no pressure. Um, so I've had a week off. And it's been, yeah, it's been the first time, proper time off, other than a cheeky little sort of like long weekend here and there. It's been the first week I've had off in a while. And I'll be honest, it felt it felt longer um, than it than the week, which is not a complaint. It's a really, really good thing. So I managed to pack in quite a few things during during that week. It was brilliant. It was just nice to just sort of kick back and uh, and relax. So it was lovely. Got a few little bits and pieces done, you know, as you, as you need to do. Take a little bit of that time and get a few, you know, a little bit of housekeeping sorted. Went to Chester Zoo. 
because that's what you got to do if you live around there and you've got some time off, you've got to go Chester Zoo. And Chester Zoo is brilliant as always. And I probably, do you know what, weirdly, and I don't know whether it's because um, the kids are in school and it was quiet, I think we saw more animals um, than, than we'd really um, seen in a long time because you had the opportunity to just kind of just chill and mill, mill about a bit and just spend a bit of time just watching things. And that's always good. It's lovely. It's a lovely, lovely place to go. And it still needs our support. So if you get if you get the chance to book in there, guys, do it. If you can get yourself an annual membership, it's cheaper. You can go as many times as you want throughout the year. It's brilliant. If you live locally, fill your boots, go for it. So did that. Had a little cheeky weekend away, a couple of days in a fancy hotel in Cheshire. That was that was lovely. Wasn't cheap. Bar wasn't cheap. Nah. Yeah. No. Not more than more I can say about that, really. Until we saw the bill afterwards. Ah! Um, but do you know what? You know, it was yeah. You got to do it, haven't you? You know, we've had enough misery this year so far that when you got the opportunity to have a proper luxury plush weekend away, you know, it had to be done. I did see. Well, I didn't see it first. Karen saw this first. She nudged me and went, "Take a look at this going on over there." Um, Nah, they, they, they were an old couple. They won't be listening to this, so it's all right. It's cool. And I don't know who they are, so it's not going to make any difference. But we, we came down for breakfast. I think it was the second morning we came down for breakfast. And it was full English, proper lovely. Like a really lovely full English breakfast as well. Um, and we were sit, sitting having having our breakfast. And there was an older couple just sat across, sat across from us. And... Um, she was eating a breakfast and cutting and slicing and da 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 didn't you know didn't seem to be anything particularly wrong you know with her at all, which kind of made the next thing that we saw a little bit weird. She got up and nipped to the toilet. We can assume she only popped out five minutes, so she got up, walked away, absolutely you know unaided, absolutely no issue. And her husband, the older fellow that was sat with her, was eating his breakfast and he looked over at her plate. And then he did something really weird. He started to cut up a food for her. Now, is that is that just was that a nice thing to do? Or is that just properly odd? Because we looked at each other and we thought, that is properly odd. And I got a warning that if I ever tried to touch any food on her plate, she'd probably stab me with a fork. So I know now better not to do anything like that. And it could have just been a lovely sweet gesture, you know, just kind of like, oh, I'm helping her out here. But she didn't look like she was in need of help. She wasn't struggling. She she didn't she wasn't like you know arthritic and struggled with a knife and fork. You know, there was no sort of issues there as far as you could tell. She was happily eating away. But when she came back to her table, all the food had been nicely cut into portions for her. And we didn't see what her reaction was. I'm gutted I then didn't turn around and just watch. Although that could be misconstrued as creepy, so I didn't want to do that. Um but yeah, what do you think? Cutting up food on your partner's plate without their permission. Even with, I mean, like I say, unless there's something wrong with you and you can't manage your knife and fork, why are you doing that? It's, I don't know, it's weird. So, yeah, that's what's kind of happened. So, first week back in work this week. Um, I say back in work, working from working from home, working in my, my little home office, the jumble tip that it is. But that's a work in progress. That's a whole other thing. But anyway... Um, it's not much else I can report, really, guys. Just get yourself out there. Oh, oh, absolutely wrong of me to say so. 
we went to National Trust. You'll know I've spoken about this before. Massive fan of the National Trust and, and their sites and stuff. Um, so we headed over to Lime, Lime House, which is just outside of Stockport. Well, kind of between Stockport, just outside of the other side of Macclesfield. Um, and it's this lovely country estate, as you kind of imagine those old English country estates. As it happens, as a matter of fact, uh, Lime Hall was the place where they filmed Pride and Prejudice back in the 90s. You know, that one with Colin Firth, where he where he came out of the water in just his, you know, his, his wet shirt and all the ladies of the country went, <laughs> and swooned and fell over the place. Because that's what English ladies do. For those of you who live in America, that's that's what happens with English ladies. If a gentleman is to wear a wet shirt of any description, ladies will, will fall about laughing. <laughs> hey, Mr. Darcy. Um, and that's when it was all filmed. And I and I offered to recreate the scene, um, but I got a flat no. I don't know. I thought I'd look pretty well. It was a cold day, so maybe it wouldn't look good coming out of that water. It was autumn. Yeah, it wouldn't have done anything for me at all, really, would it? And I haven't got the long flowing locks like he had back then either. So, yeah, we'll skip past that one. But it was lovely. Cracking. Get yourselves out there, guys. Get yourself. Do you know what? It's getting cold. I'm looking out the window now, and it's cold, and it's wet, and it's rainy. Do not let that be a barrier to getting out outside into the countryside, into a woodland, into a park, wherever it is you want to go, and just get some fresh air in your lungs uh, and get some uh, miles under your belt. You know, it's always going to be good. So that's this week. What have you been up to? Just a thought following on from the Wolfstoke week. Does this make me really shallow? That probably the worst news I heard this week was the Bond films getting put back until April next year. It's a whole year's delay now. Yeah, I know it's shallow, but I'm a Bond fan. Um, and I'm really, really looking to this, uh, looking forward to this film. Especially as it's Daniel Craig's last outing. And I think he's been um he's been superb. Absolutely superb. I mean, Sean Connery is is you know off off first our original Bond, and I, I you know I love his films. Always had a bit of a soft spot for uh, Timothy Dalton's films because I think that's what really got me back into Bond uh, in the in the late eighties. Um, was never really a big Roger Moore fan. I've just gone through. I've just I've, I've basically just watched all the Bond films in succession, and with the exception of. Uh, live and let die i'm not really a massive fan of his take i enjoyed them as films as spectacles you know you know they are of their time not really my cup of tea though to be honest um george lazenby's turn on a majesty's secret service is probably one of the best bond films out there uh really is fantastic uh and you can see an awful lot of 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 I mean, it's not copying by any means, but you can see an awful lot of what Daniel Craig does with Bond now uh, in that in that version of the film, and also with with Timothy Dalton's version of the film, which back in the late eighties, um, License to Kill was well, it was a step too far. It was too it was too serious. It was too violent. Um, but now, with hindsight, when you look at you know what the films are now, very much in keeping with that, he really was um, before his time. Timothy Dalton, and I always thought it was a real shame he never got a longer crack at that role pierce brosnan's films as well early on yeah you know um golden eye was really good but then he started just stepping into just a little bit too much like roger moore territory and just started to get too too silly 
the Daniel Craig ones for me, I, you know, you look at the Daniel Craig ones, and for me, they're very much like the um, Christopher Nolan Batman films. You know, you can you can take them in isolation, completely on their own, um, as a as a as a set of stories. As you know, there's been many many Batman films, but you take those those three Christopher Nolan uh, Christopher Nolan films, uh, and they are their own little world and their own universe. So I'm really looking forward to this, and apparently it wraps everything up. Um, all the little threads that have been left loose right from Casino Royale that have gone right the way through the films. Everything's tied up neatly. So this collection of, of five films is going to be its own standalone thing. So I was, I mean, I had tickets booked back in, um, back in April this year. Um, and I was actually going on. Now I don't normally do this. I don't geek out at an awful lot of stuff. I'm not. I love the like superhero films. I like watching those, but I don't geek out for those. Um, but Bond films, absolutely, I will do. And I had two nights booked in a row to go and see this because I thought I'll go the first night and enjoy it, and the second night I can really, I can really study it and get to you know because there will be bits that I'll that'll that I'll go. Oh my god! Oh, it's that! It's that thing! Oh, they're referring to that. So I'm thinking I'm probably going to need you know at least two looks to to, to get a, a real chance. And I'll book for April, assuming we can still go ahead in April. I get the feeling if it all goes a little bit pear-shaped by April, it'll end up going um, for like TV release. They'll put it on a Netflix or Amazon or something like that. You can watch it that way. But it deserves to be seen on a big screen, doesn't it? There's some films that just need that big screen cinema experience. Um... So yeah, disappointing. But you know what? We'll get over it. You know, of course we will do. Um, I was thinking though, on this, my two great literary fictional heroes are James Bond. Now, particularly, let's say I love the Daniel Craig ones because they they really hark to the way Ian Fleming wrote them. Um, so Bond in that Ian Fleming style. And Sherlock Holmes, and I was wondering whether that said an awful lot about me, my character that I that I'm drawn to, um, two characters who are really quite uh, cold and uh, isolated and misanthropic and antisocial to a degree. Um, and when you tie that in with what I do for a living, it's a little bit of a weird thing. But I'm absolutely, I'm just kind of, I identify. <laughs> It's that. It's that. Like I don't identify with being a super spy or or a, or a detective. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not. I'm not any of those things. But just their their characters, their demeanors, their sort of attitude, and their their view of the world. Sometimes, um, weird, strange. I don't know. But yeah, I really am. Um, love those two characters to bits. Says a lot about me, maybe. But yeah, as soon as it comes out, guys, book your tickets. I'll see you there. So yes, a lot of us still find ourselves working from home. If we're lucky, we might have a little sort of spare bedroom where we can set up our own little office. Might have been something you even had in place beforehand uh, to be working in. Some of us are working from our dining room tables, from our kitchens, you know, from our little out houses and spare little spaces that we can manage, you know, around our places. So we've all changed, we've all adapted, and for some of us it's been an easy transition, for others it's been you know, a little bit of a shock to the system. And whereas we thought we were going to be getting back into the rhythm of um, 
normality, if you want to call it that. Um, now it looks like we're going to be stuck in this situation for at least another six months, and who knows, maybe longer. We just don't know at this, at this rate, do we? Um, hopefully not, but we'll see. Now, part of the work that, that I've been asked to do recently is actually to, to speak to uh, people, not, not necessarily young people either, um, but there's lots of organisations that, that where I work, and I work for a youth charity, as I've mentioned previously, and we work with other organisations that work with young people and so on and so forth. And uh, We were asked um, to, to speak to people about how do you how do you manage working from home? What sort of things can you do to make that as as a successful transition as, as possible? So some of you might have been doing this already, the things that I, that I might mention here. And by all means, I mean, I'm not an expert here, guys. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Um, but these are things that, that, that I learned early on and, and I adopted and my colleagues adopted and we've shared what we hope are best practices. Um, so for you guys out there, you might be, yeah, you might go, yeah, I recognize that and I do that all. I'm working from home and that's not something I've, uh, I've done particularly but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to think about doing that now. Um, or you could be, you might even be new to working from home. The place where you work uh, might have transitioned recently. Or you might be starting a new job. You might be really fortunate and start a new job, but that new job is working from home. So here's what I learned and here's, here's my kind of take on it. Now, I was very used to going into uh, an office every day on the days where I'm not going out and and traveling to a venue uh, and delivering a lesson, a session, a seminar, whatever it might be. You know, my days were based in the office. And I'm one of those people, and I think it's, it's, the, it's the high functioning part of my brain, that I, I am a planner, I am an organizer, much to some people's ah annoyance sometimes but it works for me you know uh certainly in the workplace at least anyway i could do with being a little bit more relaxed in, in, in personal life because i do like to book and plan and maybe i should kind of you know release that a bit and i've been trying to do that you know you know but you know i kind of i kind of i'm, I'm like mr prepared at this this i'm a little boy scout at heart um but one of the things I did early on in, in my working life was, was especially when I was given autonomy to, um, to, to run my own day. And that is very, very much how I operate now. I've got a manager and I've got a chain of command, you know, as, as everybody does within, within a business. But I'm very much left to my own devices and autonomy as, as how those days and weeks are actually built. Um, so I adopted uh, technology really quite early on to do that. Now, we use, um, and this is not a plug or an advert by any means. It's just, it's just a, a statement, a matter of fact. Uh, we use uh, Microsoft products, as a lot of businesses do, and Outlook is what we use, um, you know, for our emails and calendars. Uh, lots of different places use different things. Businesses use use Google. You know, some use Yahoo. Some people, you know, use Apple products and they use, you know, their their suite of uh, of products, calendars, and so on and so forth. So whatever you use, take advantage of it. So what I did very early on was I still, and especially working from home, I created my day as if it was a fully working day because there was too many people that fell into the habit, I think, of, 
I can be a little bit laissez-faire around this now. I can be a bit more relaxed and a bit more casual. And there's, of course, there's there's scope for that and there's a degree of that. But what we discovered, certainly from from talking with with uh, other people in other organisations, is they'd be getting up at, at whatever time, you know, and switching the computer straight on, and they'd be doing twelve hours straight, sometimes even longer, you know, because they kind of sat there and they're busy and they're doing their thing. They, they forget to, to switch off from that. So they completely lose structure. You know, and the idea of having that, you know, that freedom, that flexibility is I'll start at 10, I'll finish at 6 when I was doing 9 till 5 before, or, you know, my half-hour lunch is an, is an hour lunch now because I need to go to the shops and do whatever. Um, so I can I can claw it back, you know. So as long as you're doing your full working week, you know, businesses, you know, certainly the ones that we work with and, and, and ourselves are like, yeah, that's cool, Okay. As long as you're getting the job done, as long as you're not missing important meetings and phone calls, you know, be there when we need you to be there for those core hours. Basically, you've got a degree of flexibility around that. And that's good. Okay. So what I did was I very much tried to structure what those days were in in my calendar to give me an idea of where I am and what I'm up to. But then it was really important for me is as soon as I got to the end of my working day, five o'clock or whenever, whenever I kind of structured that day to end, that's when it ended, right? As it, as you would do in work, right? No one's going to keep. There's very few places, you know, you know, you know, rare places that will keep the doors open for you. But you know, a lot of places will go right. Five o'clock, out you go. See you tomorrow, right? And you pack up your work and you and you go and off you go. And the rest of the day is yours. So I wanted to try and adopt that for for home lifestyle. So as soon as five o'clock came, it was kind of like right. That's it. Laptop off phone off now here's the other thing as well it's a nice little segue here mobile phones i have a personal mobile phone and i have a work mobile phone and never the twain shall meet uh work emails and communication is on my work phone personal is on my personal um and i don't like the two crossing over because that again i can take my phone as well as turning off the laptop i can put my work phone on silent Right, and I'll pick it up the next day. Those close to me in work who know me well, who, if they needed me in an absolute emergency, have the permission to get in touch with me if it was that much of an emergency. But rarely, if ever, is that the case. They know they could do it if they need to, but it's never happened. There's nothing that can't wait till tomorrow. You know, and especially when you work in a in a there's very few of us that work in situations where you're um, you know, you can work completely autonomously without, um, you know, input you know, from, from anybody else. You know, as much as we, you know, work with, you know, young people, we work with other organisations, other charities, councils, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So sometimes, you know, with, with the best one in the world, you know, you, you might want to get a job done, but you're dependent on other people, you know, and they're not going to be around. So there's very rarely is there anything that can't wait till the next morning and pick it up first thing and address that. And if all of you, if you, and this is communications absolute key here with your organisations, if you know that you all you are all operating and working like that, then you kind of you, you kind of have this unwritten understanding. And that look, I might email you at six at half past six tonight because I'm working a little bit later, but I'm not expecting you to respond to it. You can pick it up the next day, absolutely fine. You know, maybe even start including that in your emails. Look, I'm writing this now, but I'm not, you know, get back to me in the morning. That's cool. 
or if you if you've got the facility on your on your emails to do this and an outlook you can you can time your email so i could be oh, and i've done it like seven eight o'clock at night thinking oh, i need to do that and i'll go away and I'll, I'll open up my works laptop and i'll write my email but then i'll time it to hit the person at nine o'clock the next morning because i don't want to be putting any undue pressure on them to think oh mike's emailed i've got a got a response to this now um absolutely not so take advantage of the technology plan your day okay and in plan your day make sure you're getting up and you're moving because it's properly easy i think sometimes especially when you're when you're at home is to just really just plonk yourself in your seat and not move and there's been one or two occasions where i've been guilty of that and you feel absolutely awful afterwards you know your legs are aching you can barely walk it's it's not it's not a good thing to do right so make sure you're taking your breaks make sure you're taking your lunch breaks now we've got a real opportunity here you know working from home we can really think about eating better than we have done in a workplace because we've now got the opportunity to go into our own kitchens and prep some nice food some quick some easy healthy food you know of an evening as well you know instead of that long commute home that you had you know now you can straight down you know upstairs downstairs where you are i'm in the kitchen laptop away boom 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 boom, boom and you can get involved in it and get it done and you know what and use it as 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 mindfulness at the same time right give your brain the opportunity to detach from the working day get into your kitchen get your veggies and get your piece of meat or no not if you're vegetarian you know whatever it is you're going to be going to be making for that lunchtime that evening and just spend some time just making food no think about nothing else just making your food and then sit down without any phones or device on the table and just enjoy it and really detach from that world the other thing you want to be doing as well as well as having those breaks and you know making sure that you're getting some good food in your bellies is uh, getting some exercise as well now this is difficult for anybody that works in any sort of office environment i do sometimes envy those people who do manual labor you know where they're you know working in factories and so on that you know they're moving around an awful lot but if you work like i do which a large amount of the time is a, is a sedentary job you know it's it's not good so you do need to make sure that you're getting up and, and walking around getting a little bit of exercise some of you might even have sort of like treadmills and exercise bikes and stuff like that you don't have to do miles and miles and miles every day okay but make sure you're doing something right something lower body something upper body as well and just keep that ticking over um one of the things i've heard as well is is when people have uh, meetings now and I, I like this one particularly we're, we're blessed with with a lot of technology and and really guys if you can t if you can harness the technology that you've got around you it's, it's fantastic for doing this but you might be on a conference call you might be on a telephone meeting you might even be for that matter on a zoom meeting right but it doesn't have to be sat at a desk in front of the camera that's on your laptop on your computer does it you know we've got smartphones haven't we so get your earphones in right when you're on that meeting get up go for a walk take it outside 
you know, and especially if you've got somewhere you can go that, that it's quiet, there's no hustle, bustle, noise going on, you know, it's nice. And you'll find as well, because it's something we were looking to adopt before lockdown happened, we, we deal with a charity that is very much about getting people uh, moving and getting them active. Well, a little shout out here to Active Cheshire that do some fantastic work and we were working with them and they mentioned to us uh, prior to lockdown, have you thought about holding uh, a walking meeting and rather than you all being sat around a desk in a conference room, which is historically it's what we'd always done, he said, get up and just go outside. You know, you've got some green spaces and talk about those things you were talking about in the, week, in the meeting, but, you know, while you're walking along. Because you'll find it's better for you. You're getting some exercise. And there's a weird thing that happens when you get up and walk around. You think clearer, which is strange. And I kind of knew this anyway, because when I deliver training, some people who are trainers will sit down to deliver. They'll sit at a desk um, and deliver from, from slides and just point behind them. Uh, and I don't like that. I've never, I've never liked that at all. Um, I like to get up and walk around. And even when I've said to people at the start of a session, I'm a bit tired, guys, so I might have a little bit of a sit down at some point. It doesn't last long because I, I, I'm up and I'm pacing because I find for whatever reason that, you know, the, the brain's working better when I'm when I'm moving, when I'm active. Um, but you've got the technology to do this. I mean, you know, you know, you can pop your earphones in, you know, you can take your phone, you can, you know, you've got your cameras on it and stuff. Uh, you can go out and do that. Um, but make sure you're doing that as well. Keep communication open. One of the things that I've been told recently is, is far too many people have been uh, emailing and doing these like chain emails and copying people in. And we've kind of forgotten that those devices that we carry around with us, we've kind of forgotten that second word of the device. You know, we all carry smartphones, but we, we seem to have forgotten the phone element of it. And it's so much better for, you, for your mental health rather than writing emails uh, all the time. It's to literally just pick up the phone and call someone and go, hey, how are you doing? How are you getting on? I've got this idea. I've had this thought. I'm just responding to something you, you asked me to do. And have a conversation. Um, and we can't we can't often do it face-to-face -face these days, but actually have a proper conversation with someone. It's, it's easier. It's so much better. You can use emotion and create emphasis a whole lot more than you can do you know with the with the written word with the spoken word um so so do it pick up the phones do the zoom meeting rather than the email whatever it might might be but don't be afraid of it you know you know speak to people it's a, it's a good thing to do and get your rest guys get your rest you know in these in the in these dark and difficult times you know your head's it can be all over the place at, at, at times. Uh, and I know early on, particularly when I was poorly at the start of the pandemic, um, my head was an absolute mess and sleep was difficult. And I properly now uh, understand the benefits of getting a really, really good night's sleep. So make sure your, your, your rooms are set up properly. Now, a little bit cooler. Now, I know we're going into the winter months and probably everybody's putting the heavier duvets on at the moment and they're getting the big togs out aren't they you know putting the the more cotton sheets on you know the, the, the floor no the other it's not the cotton sheets is it what do you use the more sort of like flannelette stuff you know the stuff that sort of like cuddles you a little bit more it's a bit warmer hold the warmth you know um but you actually sleep better when your room's a bit cooler so don't make it too warm don't make it too hot do I'm not saying cold but just cooler 
you'll have such a good night's sleep um, when it's like that. You know, you absolutely will. Make sure you're getting your hours in, all right? But do make sure that you're switching off before you go to bed. Put those devices down, you know. Don't watch telly right up to the end. Just make sure you, you know, especially if you've had a busy, heavy day, you just need to disengage from that stuff for a bit. And use, I know I made a joke of it earlier, but use one of those meditation apps even. You know, get one of those lovely bedtime stories going in the in the background to send you off to sleep. That I've used them, they're absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, take advantage of those. So that's kind of that's just a few ideas. Just that's just a few thoughts about um where I come from with it. You know, if you and if you've got anything in mind yourselves that, that you do that you'd like to share, please do uh get in touch with me and let me know. I am Wolfstag at Outlook.com. I'm happy to hear from you. So this is part two of uh, the interview I did with DJ David Jones. And for those of you that uh, listened last week, you'll know we just chatted music and proper cups of tea and, and a little bit of random stuff. Um, if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and listen to it because it, it's it's kind of a little bit of an insight into our brains. Um, this week I wanted to ask David about something kind of specific because without going into detail, that'll become apparent um, as the interview goes on. Um, David was struck down really quite ill uh, a few years ago now. Um, and I asked him about that and how he dealt with that and his recovery uh, from that situation. Um, it's a really inspiring story. Um, so sit back and listen. This is part two of the interview. Um, I just want to ask you about something that happened to you. How long ago is it now? Since you, since you were poorly. Since you became uh, ill, and I'll let you sort yeah, of divulge that. Yeah, like, like, like cancer and that. Yeah. That was, um, it's nine years now, so that's great, you know, nine years. God, that's crazy. So, it's flying by, 2011, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, where do you want me to start? Like, just from. Well, let me, let me go from what I remember of this at the time, right? Because it was just before your Laura your sister my cousin oh, Laura yeah. got married mm -hmm. and I know you were at the time struggling with uh, what we thought at the time was vertigo For, yeah so they firstly thought it was an inner ear infection yeah now I remember yeah. very clearly having a chat with you because we were it was I think it was like a couple of days before the wedding mm -hmm. and you were saying you were gonna have to go to the doctor to get investigated and I like the year before had had labyrinthitis mm -hmm. which is it, yeah. which is an inner that's ear what, infection that's what, that's what they thought i had yeah yeah and i said to you oh you're going to the doctors and it'll, it'll make you stand up with your arms outstretched like you know like a crucifix mm -hmm. and make you walk or it was something like that wasn't it also, because so, yeah. and i went because they want to test you for a brain tumor because that's what they did to me and i went ha 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 ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because it's kind of like yeah it's obviously just an inner ear infection they're going to give you some yeah. You know, some pills or a lotion or whatever. Yeah, you know, you'll yeah, pour yeah, it in yeah. your ear and happy days off you'll go. And then you went to the doctors and then we all had that absolutely earth-shattering news when oh, you came it? back with the, with the diagnosis. Yeah, it was a shock, like, yeah. Um, so that was it. Like, just for a long time, that's what they thought it was. Um, I was just very lucky, obviously, that they, did, that they did find it. Like, I remember, like, going 
I think the, the, the doctor, I've been back and forth with him a few times and he was he was very good. He said to me, like, you know, because he wasn't, he wasn't too happy, really, you know. He was sort of saying, like, you know, if you're, if you're sick again, mm-hmm. he said, just, you know, just go to A&E, you know what I mean, and tell them that, you know, it'll be in my notes that I, I'd like you to have an MRI scan, you know, and see what's happening. Yeah. So, yeah, so I go there and... Um, I've been sick. I went to the uh, out of hours and they did that thing where they lie me on the bed and they were moving my head around and that. He moves it over and he says, all right. I said, oh, if everyone want to be sick, he goes, yeah, that's normal because you're, yeah. and I was just like, no, I am. I'm going to be sick. Yeah. I got up straight in, you know, in the, in the sink, like, you know, yeah. and he's looking in my eyes and, that, and he's a bit concerned, like, so he sends me to the hospital and uh, had my MRI scan the next morning. Obviously, because you're on a drip and all that. Yeah. You felt, didn't felt great, you know what I mean? Like, once you've all had a good sleep and, you know, and you've had your, and you'd had a drip and all Did that. Did you know what was happening at this point? Were you aware of the, the diagnosis at this point? No, no, no. So I was, I just thought something's not right, you know. Yeah. But nothing like, I thought, yeah. each time I'd gone in, it said, oh no, we still think it's only an ear infection, you know, they can go on for quite a while, sort of thing, you know. But it was getting about like six weeks now, sort of thing, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember like doctors were kind of like, "Oh, so you've had an MRI scan?" Kind of like, so we'll see the results for that. But I think they were kind of like sort of thinking, "Yeah, nothing to worry about." And then, like you know, half an hour later, they come back, pull the curtain round and all that, and they're like, "Oh, we've, we found a, a mass on your brain and blah blah blah," you know. I was like, "Oh, okay." And the nurse was like sat next to me to use. Do you know what he's saying? Like, you know, you, you know, he kind of said it like yeah. straight away. Goes, so, you know, it could be cancer, like, you know, or there is a lump. Well, I was like, all right, okay. And obviously, because I was like, what, 22, I think, at the time? Yeah, yeah, you must have been right. Something like that. So they said, you forget that usually they'd ring your mum and dad or something, wouldn't they? But they said, they you're an said, adult. I'm an adult. So they just said, you know, I suppose you were, you know, I suggest you ring your mum, you know, your, your mum and dad or whoever, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, Die. so that was like the worst thing was having to, having to ring and tell people I can't even imagine what that feels like to be told something like that yeah yeah it's just it's just it's kind of you know to, to hear that I mean it sounds really awful as well because when we heard about your diagnosis it was kind of like of everybody in the family of the single person in the family that could have had it why him you can think that with anyone, though, can't you? you know, yeah. You do. I don't know, it's just like now. But we, it was kind of like, you know, why didn't it hit one of the oldies in the family? <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone that's had, like... You know, because at that point, then, you're fearing the absolute worst when you, yeah. hear, when you hear that word, that C word. You, yeah. you, you, you know, you, you go to a dark place. I think uh, when I was doing it, I was I was quite... I don't know if I was just ignoring it or what. Yeah. I felt good because when I, like, they were great, you know, obviously once they'd sent me from Countess, they sent me to Walton. Yeah. You know, because they, they were, they're absolutely fantastic there. One sent me. Yeah, I remember like, seeing, yeah. Yeah, and they were just like, and obviously, and they said, oh, yeah, so, you know, you've got, obviously, uh, we'll give you some steroids, you know, yeah. to stop the headaches and all this, like, and so I just I felt fine, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I was in that care and stuff like that, and the other thing as well, yeah, I was really, I was obviously, obviously, I was worried. I must have been, you know, in the back of my mind, but I must have just been, you know, probably ignoring it. But I was, I was worried. Yeah. When you when I got to Walton, and I met the surgeon and stuff like that, 
and he shows me the MRI scan. He shows, he goes, here's, you know, here's the, um, the lump, you know, and he's pointing at it. And he goes, yeah, you know, you just dead plaza. Like, yeah, you know, we'll get it out. You know, that's it. Yeah, 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 that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, any questions? And I was like, well, first thing I was like, how are you, how are you going to do <laughs> you know, that? Was, I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to like, you know, cut my skull open or how are you going to do? And he said, oh, no, no, we'll just, we'll just make a little incision around the back here and we'll just pull it out. You know, like as if he was just going to make. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll just get it out. Yeah, no worries about it, you know. I was like, oh, okay. You know, they, you know, they must have, they've done thousands of operations, you know, and yeah. they've just like walking the path for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you are, I mean, looking at you now, you are incredibly scar free. Oh, yeah. To be fair. I mean, the, the only way you would ever know is, I mean, I don't know how much you see on it. The back. Yeah. 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 The, the, the uh, shunt stand. The shunt, yeah. So that was, that was set from a few days after my surgery that yeah. it wasn't my, brain spinal fluid wasn't draining correctly yeah uh, i think that was from scar tissue or something like that it yeah. was just i was always it was always having to build up of this fluid so yeah that's when they yeah put the shunt in which i mean compared to some people that, that you know have operations to remove oh, you know yeah. lumps and tumors and bits and pieces you know it's sometimes they come out of it sometimes it's bigger than if you you dodged a bullet there if you remember yeah. that you see so the other thing is like when i'd when I was in the ward, when I first went into, into Walton, I was put into the ward and, you know, you saw some people who were on, in the ward and, you know, who were in that place who had had some really shocking sort of like looking yeah. uh, operations and they had some really obscure like diagnoses and stuff like that. It was Because Walton Hospital, they, they, they're a brain hospital. They're not a cancer hospital, they're a brain hospital, yeah, aren't they? And they, um, they deal with brain trauma. So I think I remember going like there. Neurology, was, yeah. Yeah, there was a few like car crashes and stuff like that in there for people who had suffered that, that trauma. It was all sorts, yeah. I can remember speaking to a guy and I was kind of like saw, saw him to one side and he was chatting to me. Yeah. And, you know, it's the first night we turned around and half his skull was missing like you know oh, right oh he, he'd been you know in an accident or something had happened and he was saying oh no i'm waiting to have a plate fit so he obviously he still had all his skin and all that like yeah but it just kind of indented oh, yeah that's it yeah indented yeah and i was just like whoa you know and, and that's that that also gave me a lot of faith i was like yeah oh you know like some of the stuff like the traumas that all the people who, who i'm sat here with yeah you know they'll be they'll be fine with me you know yeah so yeah, I mean you. Yeah, I mean you go under the knife, you have the operation, but even that's not completely smooth, is it? Because yeah, you come away with it. You had one stroke more. Uh, yeah, I had a stroke. Yeah, I had a major stroke. It was, I think it was a few days after me surgery. So apparently, if I remember rightly, yeah. it was about ten days after. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Are you even aware of of that happening? Or I can't remember. Yeah, I remember bits of it now, but there's no. I I remember. I don't remember before it happening. Yeah. But I remember obviously my recovery from that. Yeah. I remember all all the sort of like um, all the the therapy that I had with me speech yeah. and stuff like that. Which has been because I know early days you you struggled with with finding words really. Yeah, yeah, I can I can string a sentence together. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't. I was going to say, join the club. We're all like that. How I manage to pull this off week after week? Because I get to certain points where I go, I really do not know the word for that. And I'm 
See, no, this is like this is my gal card. No, I just say, well, you know, I did have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no excuse. I'm I just kind of like it's going up to ten years, and I'm still, I'm still throwing that card out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault, Governor. Yeah. Honest. <laughs> If I swear randomly, honestly, he's going to turn into Father Jack out of Father Ted at some point. Sat in the corner just going, drink! He drank! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that, I mean, that road of recovery, you know, since then, to, to be where you are now, is considering, you know, not only were you operated on for the brain tumour, but you had a, you know, a massive stroke afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, what were your thoughts at that point then? This poor lad's going to end up sort of like he's going to be in a wheelchair. You know, he's going to be, you know, incoherent. It's just going to massively impact his quality of life. And, you know, you can, at that point now, because, you know, no one knows. We're all looking at yeah. your situation thinking, that's that's our, that's our David gone. That's our DJ gone. That, that lad that we love, that we know. You know, we're never going to get him back. And that's what, you know, genuine. I mean, we'd never have said that to you at the time. Oh, I know, yeah. You know, but that's where we're all completely, you know, at thinking. So for you to be where you are now, that road of recovery must have taken an awful lot of, I don't know, determination, hard work, call it what you will. See, I know what you're saying. Like, it's, um, I, think, I think in general, yeah, you... To still, you, you, obviously, I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of support. Obviously, a lot of family and everyone. So, yeah, I mean, you know, family you, really. You, you, I mean, your your mom and dad were absolute rocks. Yeah, and yeah. friends. You know, everyone. Yeah. Everyone was always, you know, yeah. So that, that's you got that, and then it was also just. I suppose it did really. Yeah, you know, you just thought. Well, I think as well. Because I was I was a freelance technician at the time yeah i was very keen i want to get back into work yeah i was i was worried you know yeah i think i wore a high i was okay I, I i had a um you know so i was getting a um what do you call it a test it's, it's just sort of forgetting words <laughs> <it's gone. laughs> and it's gone completely scan no test i was getting like financial support you know oh okay you know, yeah yeah uh, so you're being looked after financially yeah like uh so i had a really good um macmillan uh who you know you, you know you can fill out a form you know yeah. so you're still getting uh like you know some some money support and all that yeah so you didn't so have that, to worry about any yeah, of those things so that was good but at the same time it was still very much like and I'm gonna to have to. I wanted to get back to work, but it was just. It was. It's just. It took took a while, you know. Thinking, you were never sure. So what I started doing actually was that started um, working voluntary. Yeah. So that then at least if I didn't want to, if I felt no, I'm I'm tired today. I can't come in. Sort of thing. That was fine. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's how I sort of started coming back into work and whatever you know. Yeah. I mean, it took a while, but with recovery in general, yeah, it was just I had a I had a like speech and language like therapist. Yeah. So they gave me like a load of books of like it'd be like pictures and they'd have words on there and you try and write them out and stuff like that and yeah, you know they'd say like what well, you know it'd be a picture and it'd be a fridge and you'd have to point it say that's a that's a fridge. Usually I'd say something silly like it's a 
something else. You know, like, I can't think of an example. It's, it's now, a motorcar. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of an example of how I can, how I can describe because obviously because I've recovered well. Obviously, it's... yeah, yeah, and that's it. And even though you say you know your recovery, I mean, it's been nine years now, and you've been clear, all clear for a couple of years now. How long has it been? Well, the whole nine years, like yeah. Has it been the whole nine years? Yeah, uh, yeah, September. It's nine years. Yeah. Uh, this year, yeah, it was, I was all clear in September. Yeah. And it's, yes, it's been nine years. It'll be ten years next year. Yeah. Which is cool. But you being back to 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 you, I mean, you've you've been the you that I know you now, the guy that's sat in front of me now. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you've you've been that guy for a few years now, for a good few years. Maybe. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for us on the outside looking at it, even though you were going through all that therapy, you know, and even though you could say like, you know, that was a long time you coming through that. For us, I think. I didn't think we expected to see you sort of come out of that as, as from our point of view, as quickly as you did. Yeah. You know, because it seemed to be really quite a rapid kind of recovery. Yeah. You know, at the time. Oh, great. You know, and we didn't, maybe you were just in a, you know, when, you know, when we visit you or whatever, or you visited us, maybe you just, you know, you, you were in a very good place. Then. And yeah, we notice every now and again, you get to a certain word or you get into a sentence and you'd stop and you'd, kind of pause and struggle to find the word for it but the part of my brain's thinking maybe that's just the jones part of him because <laughs> i do the exact same thing and it's got nothing to do with that maybe that's just who we are is is we, we just every now and then in a sentence we'll just go ah. <laughs> uh, what's that word what's that what's that word <laughs> and you know what that's that's the kind of the thing is sometimes you can go that's part of the condition that's that's what this this you know this illness has done to me or you can go that's just one of those normal sort of i think he normally is yeah. <laughs> but, but you know yeah you still ask still, you still think about it and go hmm, fuck. yeah so now there was um when i'd it would take me like a while to get to actually you know to get again back i couldn't read for a while as well that was the other thing really yeah yeah so i could i could pick up a newspaper and I could see the headline. Yeah. And I knew what's going on because it's from that and the image. But as soon as I'd start reading it, I'd be like, oh, I can't, I don't have a clue what's going on here. Like, you know. So, what? Oh, that's weird, that. So, were you reading the words and just not being able to dis- decipher it? Or was it jumbling? I think it was just I couldn't. If, if it was like a paragraph. Yeah. Or if, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. Just couldn't, I just couldn't read. I couldn't put it together. Like what the word, what sentences, what what what, what the reference to, or yeah. what was. So I could look at it and I could kind of gauge like, oh, there's been something going on in in Parliament or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? But, yeah. So that I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of, and that's the thing. See, when you when you're dealing with anything like that is, and I, and I think for me, this is partly the reason why I, I was really keen to get you onto onto. Uh, the podcast as well is because you were dealing with something that's invisible you know although like you say visibly other than seeing that at the back of your head if you were to wear a hat oh yeah you know you can't see a thing going on obviously what you deal with on a day-to-day in terms of like you know language and speech and all that kind of stuff that's that can't be seen from outside that's invisible and only you can ever truly know what that feels like and that for me is kind of like when I talk about, you know, because it took me a long time to, to to come to terms with sort of like, you know, my mental health issues, you know, and no one outside knows. <laughs> it can't be seen. It's not like having a broken leg or something like that. It's only until you start 
explaining what certain things feel like to people that you kind of go, wow, never yeah. realized. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what you were like, sort of like, you know, mentally beforehand, because we don't talk about that stuff anyway. Yeah. You know, but certainly I imagine that's, that's impacted and affected your sense. I mean, did it, going through that whole thing emotionally, did that impact you, you know, emotionally? Yeah. You, you know, did it change you as a person? I think it probably did. You know, um, I never used to worry about anything, you know, like at all. Like I was, just, yeah. you know, not at all. And then like, I noticed that I'd get a lot more, I get anxious easily. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, that, that was probably the most out of, out of any of that sort of, yeah. you know, and you sort of, yeah. And you just, you, I spend a lot, a lot and I, I like think a lot as well, you know, just sort of, I'd just say like yeah, yeah, just uh, overthink things and all that, you know. Yeah. You know, but... yeah. I mean, part. I mean, to, to bear in mind that you know, when you got ill, you were still in your early twenties, so you know, some of that is the optimism of youth, isn't it? Mm. You know, I mean, you know, when you're twenty-one, twenty-two, generally speaking, you don't tend to worry about anything at all, do you? Yeah. You know, um, and it's a it's a real leveler, isn't it? It's a real it's a real grounding thing when something like that happens. It was as well, I suppose. Like, like when you say when you were asking, like I probably was a bit. A bit determined. I remember, like, I was thinking before I was unwell, I started doing me snowboard lessons. Yeah. And I was like, right, next year I'm going to do my snowboard lessons. Or yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Or it was either next year or the year after. So I did all my lessons. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do. I'm going to start like you know doing some guitar grades and stuff like that. Yeah. Start doing that, you know. And I suppose it is a part of it now. Is obviously I think a lot. It has made me stronger, definitely. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of it where you can just think, if you can overcome that, you can overcome lots of things. Do you know what I mean? Totally, man. Yeah. I mean, from a resilience point of view now, like you say, if you can go through that personal battle yeah. and come out a bit the other end, the person that you are now, yeah, yeah, you can face anything. Yeah. You know, you really can. So you did. I mean, I'm fantastic. We watched, we watched you uh, recover. We watched you grow. Watch you mature. <laughs> watch you know every time you know every time we hear the news of like your mum and dad will go, you know David's been to the doctors and he's he's got the all clear again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, man, we were all everybody individually was like doing a little air grab, the rock and roll air grab. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because I mean, you know, it's it's you know it's it's family, it's Ohana. You know, we're you know we're a, you know we're a, we're a close knit bunch anyway. There's a family and you know, and we all, you know, we came together when it's one of your own that struggles. So every time you were getting, you know, better and better, it was, you know, it was a it was a real achievement, you know, we cheered you on. You know, we were all your cheerleaders out there. <laughs> Didn't wear the little skirt the Yeah, you definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, were yeah. like you're like, Oh, I can get I can get my little dress out. <laughs> D A <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so many pictures in my head now. Stop. <laughs> Oh, no. Wrong. Not with these legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so it's been, you know, for, for years now, we've kind of, it feels like that's history now, hopefully, and, yeah. and, and, and hopefully that, that, you know, it stays that way. Yeah, definitely. You know. I, think um, I was very lucky that uh, the type that I had, it was a, it was a blastoma, I think it was called. Correct me if I'm wrong, I remember being told at the time that what you had was something that pretty much only affected children. Yes. 
That is true. And Not you were at how old at the time? Twenty two. I think I was just yeah, twenty two. So you were so, you were kind of almost too old to be really getting that. So what they said was that you find it very common in infants, children, yeah. teenagers. Yeah. They said, yeah, you see it sometimes in at your age. Some sometimes he said. So the surgeon to me said, in his time that he's been working, you know, in his for how long he's been working, he said he's never known anybody like in his thirties or forties to have that that same of that yeah. type of tumor. You yeah. know? I know, which makes me wonder whether there's something genetically different about us Joneses, really, because I remember, oh my god, it'd be about fifteen years ago now. I was getting like really lethargic. Um, sleeping all the time, you know, uh, head was spinning, you know, just just in a really bad way. And I went to the doctors, and he and he said to me, he's, and I'm bearing in mind at this point, I'm like 32, 33. And he goes, it sounds an awful lot like the symptoms of glandular fever. So we'll do a blood test and we'll test you, but it's not glandular fever at your age because that's a teenage disease. No. <laughs> and a couple of days later, came back and goes, uh, actually, believe it or not, you've got glandular fever. <laughs> It's kind of, you're, you're properly too old to have and you know glandular fever, and I wonder whether there's something genetically about we're just, about us. We're just virgin young blood, as we are, yeah. That's it. As Ge- you can see, I keep saying genetically gifted, <laughs> genetically gifted. I am constantly swore at by people at our office that will insist that they think I'm 32, 33 stuff. Oh, you and I'm and you do. And I'm yeah, well, see, no. <laughs> pretty, pretty. Not many grey hairs, although uh, there's, there's not many hairs to be. Yeah. Really. Although I've noticed, I looked down the other day, and there seems to be a little abundance of grey hairs on my chest at the moment. Uh, yeah. I, so why is it? Because right? I've got, I, I found one or two, right? Yeah. So you know, your usual chest hair. Yeah. How is it that they're just the wild whiskers aren't they? They're just like straight out, aren't they? I swear. Right. Listen to this once. Right. I was in the shower, and I was, I was washing my legs. Right. And I felt the back of my thigh. I don't want to know. No, it's not grim. It's not a horrible story. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to go. And then I, I, know, I, I was rubbing my bum, and then I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, where are you going? Oh, it was, it was so nice. <laughs> I was lathering my chest. <laughs> it's not that story. It's not. No, no. I don't no. Know. No, there was a hair. All right, right. And I was kind of like just washing the back of my leg, and it was kind of getting. getting what's this getting tangled around here? Right, and I thought it but it's just something a bit of cotton or something I picked up. Right. And I and I grabbed it and I pulled it and I swear it must have came out about a foot. No way. It was growing out the back of my leg. It was like my body's <laughs> Yeah, seriously man. It's like my body was trying to turn me into some sort of yesy or something. Weird. So the other uh obviously because we're very gifted with our uh <laughs> our hair or lack of. Yeah, yeah, gifted. <laughs> Is that what you would have called it? Gifted. So that was another one. Uh, when I was like, obviously after after I had my radiotherapy and whatever after that, like I'd lost all the hair, hadn't I? Yeah. Um, and it never quite came back, like you know, the same way. No, because you've got now, I suppose it's male pattern pattern body. I mean, you've got the you've got the you you've got, got the, the Jones, Jones look, yeah, yeah. look but way too early. That's it. So I was there. Say I say this to friends and stuff like that. I say, yeah, I got robbed of my hair, you know, because I did. I didn't, you know. You had nice hair. Um, I had. I had. I mean, I had, you back in the day, I had hair envy. Yeah. So obviously it was gone. 
but then I always straight off I go, I mean, it, it wouldn't I wouldn't have had it much longer anyway. <laughs> that was it. Well, I mean, I said this to everybody when I was sort of like younger, you know, because I had you had long and longish hair like through my sort of like you know my my teens and stuff like that, and I said, while I've got it to grow it, I'm going to grow it because I know looking at family members, you know, the older males, not family, that it that it's going to leave. I said, the day that it starts to get thin, or I note it gets thin, I'm getting the clippers and it's coming yeah, off. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and I was working in Chester, and we did uh, a sponsored walk up Snowdonia. We walked Snowdonia, and I had my photograph taken on the top. And when I looked at the photograph, sort of like a couple of days later, I could just see the, my head, my scalp, <laughs> through the hair, and it just looked like the world's most awful comb over. Yeah. And the next day, I just went and straight off, straight off, yeah, bust it off, and it's been like that ever since. And I suppose we're kind of fortunate we've got faces that, that carry a bald head. I was lucky because in college, I was shaving my head anyway, yeah, you know, we were all into like, well, yeah, we just, yeah, just, just shave my head like and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, and, you um, used to, yeah, sometimes you kept it short, yeah, yeah, and then so I wasn't, wasn't so. Like, you know, who rolled punk and all that sort of thing? Yeah, but, you know, the thing was, when you had your diagnosis, when you were poorly at Laura's wedding, I look at photographs now at Laura's wedding, your hair was quite long. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So You kind of had that whole sort of, like, floppy sort of, like, fringe thing going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'd... um, Yeah, well, so I remember you used to say to me, like, you know... When I was younger, you'd say, like, oh, you're laughing one day. You Enjoy know. it while you can. <laughs> I remember you saying that to me, and I used to think, nah, never. That's not going to be, that's not going to happen. And then, obviously, yeah, it, obviously, obviously. I've got, I've got that um, fryer tuck hair now. You know what I mean? Fryer <laughs> tuck. <laughs> this is why we overcompensate with the beards. Yes. And I know yours is looking... Because he slipped with a razor, he was telling us before. Short, so yeah. it's a bit shorter than it normally is. And, and I do the same thing every now and again. I kind of let it grow full. And it starts to get, I get those wispy bits around the side of my mouth there. Yeah. And you end up doing the sticking the tongue out. Yeah, yeah. licking. And, you know, <laughs> and do you know what? When you're sat in front of, you know, people. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing when you're in a team meeting and all you can do is sort of, ah, ah, <laughs> people give you a funny look. At that point, then it's kind of like you're gonna have to whiz this up. I wonder if he, wonder, I think my dad used to do that. Apparently, I think like I think it was my uncle used to call him the lizard or something. Because <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, he did the lizard. Because <laughs> he just says, yeah, poke his tongue out the corner of his mouth and just lick, <laughs> try and push the hair away. Ah, ah. It's not an attractive look. It's bad. I, I've noticed I'll do it. I'll just be driving. You know, I'll be on my own. And I'll be there. Just, just yeah. I just said by rights we should all be single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, oh, yeah, beard. Oh, my God, yeah. So, lucky, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, I don't know whether you're still doing it, because it's, been a, it's been, a, been a few weeks since I've seen you now. Rock mm-hmm. climbing was the last thing you were going to see. You're doing the indoor... Bouldering. Bol- is that what they call it? Bouldering. Yeah. The, uh, I go to the boulder hut in Osmey There's a boulder hut? Boulder hut in Osmey Port. Is that like pizza hut? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, it's really cool, man. It's uh, it's it's, it's really great. And, like, do you know? Did it used to be called the Foxfield? Did it? it? Used to be a pub. There was a pub called the Foxfields on the Rossmore. I think that's yes. an old people's home now, isn't it? Or I'm not too sure. I'll certainly knock it down. I've I've had some drunken nights there. I'm thankful, and I suppose you kind of sort of like dodged this bullet as well. 
that we both grew up in an age where there was no social media. So nothing that we did as kids was ever recorded, captured on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was never going to appear on Facebook the next yeah. night because it didn't exist. Oh. But we had some drunken nights at the Foxfields. That's so, is it, am I right? It's so the just for reference, so the Boulder Hall, it's, it's basically it's uh, on that road that's round the back of the big regatta warehouse, yeah, yeah. That's so like, I think that's yeah, roughly where it used to be, if I remember. Yeah. So that's so that's that's where it is, yeah. And it's great, it's a big, big indoor um climbing center, yeah. Uh, so it's not harnessed or yeah. anything like that because it's only so high and they've got big, big crash mats. It's just great in there. It's just got a really good vibe in there. They're all um, so it's it's good exercise, but it's just good fun. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And, uh, and how have you found that physically as well? Because obviously that's testing. I mean, away from anything else that we've talked about, mm -hmm. that's properly testing upper body strength, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and if you do start getting a lot of core and everything like that. Yeah. So have you found that that's kind of changed for you now? Sort of like personal fitness and strength and stuff like in that. In general, yeah. So before that, anyway, I, was, I used to. I still do. Uh, cycle quite a lot you know i got me back yeah. quite a yeah. lot and stuff like that i got loads of enjoyment out of that yeah um it was just fun it was just it, we, only, we only started doing it in <clears throat> in january yeah me and a couple of friends we were like oh there's a climbing center you know and i was like what well, should we give it a go you know uh but you go there and it's just uh, it's just gone there's no like you know like i mean i've never really gone to a, a proper gym you know as in like i've never no, like you're not. A, you're like not. A, a, you're not a gym buddy. <laughs> no, just like never. I don't know because there's one uh, that I used to go to, but it was never like a membership sort of thing. You know, mm -hmm. I'd just go in every now and then, and there was never anyone there, which yeah. was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's but, like the sort of gym that I would go to. But you speak to people, and uh, so there's no sort of like no big egos there or anything like that. You know, showing off or anything like that. You know, you do definitely not intimidating at all. You know, when you go there. Yeah. So as you go there as well, sometimes then you think, because you're just starting to do this these bits of climbing, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to look all right, Wally, you know, because I'm brand new to it and stuff like that. But you, that's not, it's not that case. Of, everyone's all starting up. Everyone's at different levels and stuff like that. You know, you go there. And obviously, so like now, obviously I go and I see lads my age, older and younger, who yeah. are going in and they're doing exactly that again. You know, they're, they're starting at the very beginning and getting to learn it and stuff. That's really cool. So you get there and you first and you start thinking, oh, you, you're they're all all the roots are like different colours and they're all like different grading of how hard or easy it is yeah. to climb and stuff like that. So there must be a real sense of achievement when you're starting off oh. on like like the nursery slopes, yeah, yeah type yeah. thing, and then you're moving up through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a bit of a boost for oh, you. you do, oh, so when you do it and you get down, you go, oh, it was great. You know, you feel, you, do you feel like you've achieved something? It's just, it's good fun. Yeah. The other thing as well is that. So when we first when you first go, you're like thinking you just want to get up to the top and get down. You know, you're not really taking any thought of how you're doing it. You just you just want to get up there and do it. Yeah. Whereas like now, the more you, you want to get better at your climbing, so even you can start right at the beginning, do you really early stuff, but you just make it look a lot more delicate and stuff like that. And you the way that you're having your weight on your body. And how you're climbing it, you know, so that you're not not using as much strength or anything like that, you know. Yeah. Having to use as much energy to get to get up it and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot more fluidly and stuff like that. It's a lot. It's it's it becomes more of an interest of like you'll do it and you'll go, 
how can I do it again and do yeah. it better? You know, a lot of I like, that's what I've been finding with it. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's good fun. I recommend it. And it's so cool. I mean, I don't know what it must feel. I mean, yeah, let's say it's, it's obviously you know a massive achievement for you, but for us now to look back and see that journey that you've been through. Yeah. From being in that hospital bed and what you went through there and my God, what's he gonna be like to now being this guy that you know, I'm going out on my bike, I'm going fishing. Yeah. You know, I mean you're proper outdoorsy as well, really, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You know, and doing the rock climbing thing is to go, I never yay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just kinda of like you go. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you do all these things because it's like it's absolutely brilliant that you're doing it. Jones, go on, what are you gonna say? Camping. Camping. You've been, you've been camping, yeah, yeah. I've you? been camping this year. I haven't been camping since I was. Oh my god, it was like first year camping school. Say, so I was like, yeah, yeah 11, episode, 12 years yeah. old. Um, and it's been an absolute revelation. It's great, isn't it? It is amazing. Yeah. You know, just to be, it's just a whole other world. I mean, the first time we went was a little bit of a. Well, we had a we had a we had a bed fail, we had a mattress fail, and then we had a snorey woman fail as well. So, um, so yeah, it kind of didn't go completely according to plan, but we stuck with it, you know. And we've got like loads and loads of you know ideas for for places we're going to go next year. Um and and us too. Yeah, yeah, we want to go, aren't we? Which next year? Yeah, because because one I'm thinking is, you know, uh, interview take two is going to be me and you by campfire <laughs> somewhere <laughs> next year, maybe up in in the Lake District yeah. or Northumberland or somewhere like that. You know, we'll we'll go, we'll take the tent, we'll be outdoors, we'll be the woodsman that we're yeah. meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So funny, you know, like you said that, like you go camping and you you get all the gear, don't you? And all you the gear, no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done, I've done that, like, I've done that at festivals, do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, oh, I'll take this with me, I'll take me, you know, cooker and all this. And... Oh, I've stripped it down a bit now, but I, I, I took a big crate and it had, I mean, I'm going to a nice little campsite where people, you know, families take the kids and I've got compasses yeah. and <laughs> stuff and, like uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be a real outdoorsman. I'm going to be, you know, in the wild. <laughs> it's like, it's not like, shower blocks down the end, pal. Oh, you're not, yeah, you're yeah. not Ray Mears. <laughs> You can go and have a wash if you want to, yeah. but it's cool. I love it now. It's just, it's, I mean, I, you know, I like a nice fancy hotel as well. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing like sort of like, you know, a full English breakfast cup for you, you know, in the morning when you come down from your hotel room. But, as long as you're warm, that's it, isn't it, when you go camping? Yeah, and that's I it. Mean, I, I sleep great in the outdoors, like, well, tenting in a, in a camp, like. Yeah. Yeah, and I do. I mean, to be honest with you, this year I've had some of the best nights. Apart from that, that first night, I've had some of the best sleep. You know, under the stars. It's it's a, it's a different sleep, but it just feels so much more. I mean, it just feels relaxed. You're so disconnected from, you know, the outside world, really. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like you, you haven't got that hustle and bustle of stuff going on. You can just you know knock up your meal on the on the campfire. Although last time we did it properly, oh my god, we were like middle class campers. Yeah. Because we've been to Marks and Spencers beforehand and got a load of fancy stuff. I was still cooking it up on a griddle yeah, pan. It was, yeah, it, was yeah. it was still nice. But yeah, it was probably yeah, yeah, we we we, we camped from Marks and Spencers. But it's got you know, yeah, you could have done it with anything, you know, you can take any sort of food and bits and pieces and knock it together, can't you? Yeah. Find out like, you can poach an egg in a in a tin of beans. <laughs> That's living. Jones. Mike. Thank you, pal. Thank you very much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, next time we're going to do this with beers, run a campfire. That's going to be a whole interesting take on it as well. 
Um, but mate, you're an inspiration. Oh, thank you, man. And you're my brother from another mother. Brother from another mother. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, nice man. We missed that one. Do that again. <laughs> At least I didn't do the, you put your fist out and I grab it and shake it. I've done that before now, like a complete <laughs> loon and a klutz. Mate, till the next time. Next time, take Thanks. care. Have a you, good one. You too. Cheers, pal. And that was our chat. Brilliant, wasn't it? Absolutely love spending uh, that time with David. Um, conversations with us when we get together are always like that anyway. So it was really lovely to, to sit down and, and ask some questions and just get some of this recorded for pros prosperity, posterity, prosperity. What's the word? Write to me, let me know. For future generations, let's call it that. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. And, I, you know, uh, DJ, thank you for your time and, and come along and doing that. Um, we're thinking of doing another one at some point in the future, and this one will include beer. <laughs> so it might make the interview and the conversation a little bit different. I don't know how much different, probably a lot more sensible, to be honest. Um, but it was brilliant, so big, big thank you to him for that. And that is the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Um, and if you've got any, as I always say, any comments, any suggestions, any thoughts any stories, any confessions, um, any puzzles, um, whatever. <laughs> uh, do get in touch with me. Uh, you can get in touch with me via email. I am woolstaggeroutlook.com. Um, or you can visit the website www.woolstaggeroutlook.com dot net and there's a few options for getting in touch with me there uh, and also you'll find my links to social media for the ones that i do use which is rare these days but hey um so that's it for another week thanks for listening once again and i will see you same time next week mm -hmm.